0: Hi Scott, how you doing? Good. How are you, Sam? I I am doing well, doing well. I'm glad to have you on because we've been talking off microphone, and off podcast, a lot about a lot of really interesting things. In uh, we're doing a series this month of reformers, and that series came from a lot of our conversations of you know church history and some influencers and reformers and and what they did in church culture and community. And uh, one of the people that you've talked a lot about is Schaefer. Um, and you mentioned to me that Schaefer had a, like a compound or like a, a farm or something like that, where he had community. Um, and I was so, I was so inspired by that idea. And we've talked a lot uh, about creating real community. Right. And what that looks like. And so I wanted to ask you what you thought it looks like for church
1: to have real spiritual community. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I kind of go back, and this is where I think my heart is for that also for a community is that Schaefer's definition of community. It's like he really defined community as a community. You know, his uh, labry was in a small village called Huemo in Switzerland, and um, so he he was. He identified with the community being people who knew each other, who were involved in each other's lives, who cared for one another, who gossiped about each other, you know, all the things that, that make a family yeah. kind of situation with many, many families. Yeah. So um, when I think of community, I always, in my mind, I always imagine that, mm. you know, we go to church, we see people that we know, we see people that we interact with outside of church, and we do things together if someone needs help we offer assistance that type Mm -hmm. of thing as opposed to you know you can have community where we live you can think of las vegas yeah as community Mm -hmm. that's our community where we live you can think of community in the church people who attend the same building on sunday maybe go to a bible study on wednesday and then there's a then there's the inner circle of community you Mm -hmm. know the people who um Really, really, are kind of bound together in the administration of the church or in the worship of the church, that type of thing. But that other type of community, the kind that Schaefer sort of spoke about, I think kind of transcends that in a way because it allows people of all levels. It really, I think, it focuses on the middle one, church itself. Yeah, how how we interact, how we what we allow, what we expect, what we uh anticipate or what we hope for as far as community goes but it's on that level of the uh the most of the people who attend attend church yeah it's really interesting and and it almost speaks to something that i think i'm
0: even guilty of at times which is getting a very myopic narrow focus of community and focusing on like the church community and developing that and Developing those interactions yeah, and developing yeah. that intimacy and connection, developing the approach and, but this dynamic you're speaking to really broadens the horizon of community approach from that specific church community to go. Right, our lives enmeshed in our community, and right. what does that look like? Yeah, how does it, does it look that like? feel? Do you have people over for dinner? Do you help a neighbor out? What? What are the expectations you have of yourself in your interactions in the community around yeah. you, yeah do you think there's a universal expectation Jesus has
1: of all of us when it comes to our interaction in the larger sense of community yeah and I think I think we've captured it here by having love people, love God, love people yeah. you know and that's I think that's the expectation that we need to love and needs to be expressed that's why I think the the vision of the church. Or the understanding of the scripture and the expression of that in the body is really, really important. You know, if you say if you say that, love people, love church, then you must express that somehow. It can't just be we come, we give our tithe, we do a little worship and then we all go home. Yeah. It can't be that. It has it has to be a more a a more specific and direct expression, I think, of of what your vision is for the church. Hmm really interesting so love love has to actually show up in some way yeah it has to, we have to be reminded of it and i think also it has to be expressed in some way every sunday it should be expressed hmm. and however that you know gather together in groups and let's pray together and but even that becomes awkward if you don't know the person that you're praying yeah. with but i guess that's the process of getting to know them isn't yeah. it? yeah so i did always think that was funny in church in church dynamics
0: where they're like, "Hey, pray for the person around you." <laughs> even to this day, still, and I'm a pastor of the church. I, when I go and I pray for somebody I don't really know, I don't even pray for them right away. I'm, I ask them where they're from. Yeah, yeah. Ask are, Getting their name.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then
0: I'll, oftentimes I'll ask them even, "Hey, what do you what do you want me to pray for?" Uh, even if I pick up some things or God's telling me something, I also want to allow them to share their heart yeah. and I want to hear their heart too. Right. Yeah. Um and it's so interesting like that foundational aspect of just really actually wanting to know the person.
1: Yeah. That's I think that's fundamental. That's the the foundation of that getting to know that person and then creating relationship. Just like you do with God, but you want to do it with with at the same level with people also.
0: Yeah. I yeah. want the the desire to know somebody to me it really comes across as as an expression of love. Yeah.
1: You're, You're really, really good at a, that, Sam. Like, oh, You're, I, I you are good at want
0: that. to know about you. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. found out last night I was at a, a men's Cinco de Mayo uh, barbecue, about 40 or 50 guys. And one of them that I have had several conversations with told me that he was a pilot in the Navy at one point. <laughs> really? You never knew that about I, him? No, no I yeah. didn't know that at all. <laughs> yeah. And I found out because a uh, young man next to me told him, because older gentleman, he said, hey, you know what? You should get into uh, and pursue piloting. And he goes, well, actually I actually did it for about this many years. And, <laughs> and we just found out that he was a pilot. going
1: jaw dropping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like,
0: oh, so you've already done that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And I was so like inspired, like many different people. I found out things about that. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. You know, and I, I loved it. It was like, wow, I, I, I got to know that person a little bit more. Yeah. And see
1: into their heart and their life a little bit more. Well, I've been really excited about this whole um, reformers thing. This, mm-hmm. this, uh. This phase of, of church and stuff, because um, it's those things I've been, I've thought about for years and years and years, and uh, they all tie together to me, you know, reforming church or remastering church, maybe a better way to do it. Like you remaster a song or something. That's really. And, as opposed to like making it over. Um, but that, to me, it all seems to tie, to tie together, you know, how we treat one another, th- rethinking church, because I don't think, I think we could do church a whole lot better than we do. yeah. And I've told you this many times, what really is amazing to me is that there's really not much in scripture that tells us how to do church. Yeah. It doesn't say do this or this or this. Old Testament, yes. Yeah, You, know, you had to do certain sacrifices on certain yeah. days and certain songs and all those things were very, very important. And we've done away with all that for yeah. the Protestant revolution, all the idols, all the... Even pictures and stuff—we've mm-hmm. done all that a- away with all that. Which some of that I think is really, really important. Yeah. But it all mixes to me. It all mixes together when we talk, start talking about how how do we express ourselves in church? How do we express what we believe in church? So yeah, cause that's it, what's, its exciting. I, I love talking about this.
0: Yeah, me too. Because this tradition of how we do church—it's not anti-biblical, but it's also not like a fulfillment of biblical outline, right? You know, uh, worship or the music leading into like announcements and then leading into tithe and offering leading into the sermon, that common traditional structure of church. It's just something that we came up with yeah,
1: uh, to facilitate things that we think are important, right? But it's not sacred. Yeah, no. And if someone else came up with it, we could come up with something different. Yeah. And we could express it differently. The, um, the, um, Oh, gosh, I can't think of what I'm talking about here. Quakers, mm-hmm. their service is really, really different. But to me, it's very profound because it is, it's a very deep and honest expression of how they see God and how they see God interacting with people. Mm-hmm. So they come together. The men sit on one side. The women sit on the other. And they face each other. And then they just kind of sit. They're quiet. If someone has a word, they stand up. If someone wants to share an expression of what God is speaking to them, they get up and they speak it. If someone wants to sing a song, they stand up or they say, let's all sing this and they sing it together. So it's just a whole different way of expressing how we worship God, how we believe in God and how we express ourselves in that belief, Mm. which I think is really, really cool. Uh, So, I mean, the idea that we could do church differently, and I think we could do it better Mm -hmm. We could be more focused on what we actually think about what church is and then express that more, uh, express that better during our service time.
0: Yeah. The thing I think about services that's so interesting is that we've grown to be really intentional in being excellent. And I put it in air quotes in our approach, in our communication, in our delivery. So it's led us to be really almost rehearsed. Yeah. uh, Buttoned up. It, and and everything we do has specific people do them, and a lot of times they're practiced. Like the worship team practices the songs, and they're ready to go. And the the certain transitions of the songs, they've practiced it. And the so there's this element of it that's very much uh, buttoned up, and it's not raw. It's been performed and rehearsed before. Yeah, and even like the preacher's notes, they were prepared before. Uh, My outlines, I've prepared them the whole week at different points in times with study and prayer and research, et cetera, et cetera. And there's something that we've all taken great value in in that, which is that somebody can come in and experience something that was intentional and excellent. But there's something almost missing in that people don't get exposed to raw Christianity very often. And they don't get exposed to it in a way to – to then learn how to interact with it. Right. Like they've heard me present doctrine in a very clean way, but there's also great lessons in learning how to partner with somebody that expresses doctrine that's wacky and what that correction looks like yeah, yeah. and, or how to respond to somebody when they love God, but they're wrong about some doctrinal yeah. belief or theological yeah, yeah. belief. And there's value in that. Uh, in that rawness of Christian community that people don't get exposed to exactly. very often.
1: Yeah, I agree. 100%. And it's almost
0: like it, it, it teaches community to not have humility. Yeah. Because we're never exposed to or the humanity. humbling aspects or humanity. Yeah. We don't know what to do with error or missing it because we never see it in church community. We never see
1: the most mature way to approach that error. Yeah, exactly. Well, too you think about this idea of reform, reformation. So Luther was trying to correct what he saw as doctrinal and practical error yeah. in the church. Yeah. Yeah. And then you think of reform school. Send a kid to reform school. You're gonna you're gonna fix him. Yeah. So, I mean, we can think of it that way, but there's another aspect to it too. The whole idea of like, let's just redesign it. Mm-hmm. We can do that. We shouldn't just reform things. Well, maybe we should just <laughs> just for just to reform it. But I mean, we can approach things because they're wrong and say this is this is not right. The yeah. Bible says this. Or we can just say, you know, we have freedom here to do whatever we want. Yeah. And then how do we do that? How do we draw people out? How do we, you know, include people? How do we get people more you know, invested yeah. in their in the body that they attend? Mm-hmm. And stuff. I think that's always a, been my hardest, that how do I as a person Become more invested, what yeah. would really draw me in what's important to me, yeah, so I know I think a lot of it has to do as as leadership has to do with understanding what where we're going, what we're trying to do, and how we're going to do it, yeah, and then stay consistent with scripture as much as we can, yeah, but on the other side, see the see the part that we have freedom and liberty yeah to do whatever yeah. we want, so yeah. it's pretty cool there's these a couple of people in our
0: church that express hearing from God through art uh, painting and then uh, somebody else in the community they write just poems they write like these really cool things and they write them during times of counter revelation and we're we're always like wrestling with how do we have these things that people are hearing in community how do we have them show up in an impactful way yeah. for others yeah you know cuz we've got this plan of how we approach it all Um, But rarely does that plan facilitate the voice of the many in community showing up. Yeah. We do it so that we have a certain degree of like order and not chaos and a certain degree of intentionality of approach. But biblically, you see these things like if you have a psalm shared, you see these aspects or if you have a word shared and then it'll be judged by the other prophetic voices. Yeah, Yeah. You see these almost like rules or dynamics are c- created and instructed on how to facilitate many parts. And then also how to have a certain degree of accountability for all of those parts that yeah. are being contributed. Which you have yeah. to have. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. You can't just be like, yeah. hey, VKL. say whatever you want. Yeah. And that's <laughs> church community. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But Do you think it's possible in our in our modern church sense to recover a degree of uh
1: like the people sharing their part yeah I know you look at like first century church it seemed it seemed like they spent a lot of time together mm-hmm. just from what you read they they had meals together yeah and they 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 in in one church they put all everything they owned they they became communists for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sort of communist. People yeah. always say, no, no, we're not communists. But let's put it all together and we'll share whatever is needed. And, but I mean, so, so they were ex- trying to express in a lot of different ways their love for one another. And, and then they had teaching from the apostles. Yeah. So what were they teaching? Yeah. You know, what, what, what kind of stuff? Was it, did it have to do with contemporary society? Did it have to do with doctrine, doctrine st- doctrinal? You know, things, I mean, I don't know. That's why it's so fascinating to me is that we talk about these things, but I have no idea how it works. Yeah. You know, how do you actually make that work? I don't know what it looks like. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine something, and I'm not sure I would want to participate in all of it, but the scary thing for me, too, is that you get some sort of cult where people, you know, (laughs) have to spend all their money there and do that stuff, too. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, the possibilities are just... Amazing, right? Because having all
0: things in common—that phrase has always been something really powerful to our imagination. Yeah. I found it in Acts two forty-two right in there where it says they had all things in common, and it was you know that was following the selling of everything, giving it to the church, being together all the time in houses and prayer and communion and yeah. all these aspects. Having all things in common is like this really fantastical vision. Yeah. And I don't know how to create it. Yeah. I don't know if it should be our goal to create it in a uniform way.
1: Yeah. Or you know what I mean?
0: Like there's yeah. this diversity in eclecticness. To me, it, like, it should be like,
1: this is an expression of my heart. Yeah. I'm willing to do this. Yeah. For somebody else. Yeah. Not necessarily do I have to like go and sell my my, my house and give you the money. Yeah. But I'm willing to help you if you need it. Yeah. You know, it's more of a, it's an underlying Belief yeah. system, as opposed to, you know, forming a some sort of cultish
0: right. Because if you create precepts and principles to create and make togetherness, then I think that's trying to accomplish this through control and through the law. Yeah. So like, sell your houses, uh, do this, wear these clothes, uh, move into this commune, yeah. and then all of a sudden you you've controlled community to create togetherness. Yeah. And I don't think that's the approach to creating these biblical, you know, houses of acts dynamic.
1: Exactly. I agree.
0: And so with a a modern church, modern even travel, like we can travel in a way that we weren't able to travel at that time. We can connect in communication with the Internet and social media in a way that we couldn't have communicated. So it's amazing to me that that togetherness, that all things in common, it's going to look different in its expression the same in spirit but it's gonna look different in its expression right, right, and i i think that humble confession that we don't know how to do this how to create this but it's worthy pursuing yes is where i'm at yeah
1: do you think we should be further along than that though i think we should i mean i've been i don't think anyone's ever really talking about this i don't hear anybody saying over the, although the vineyard went through this big movement several years ago, probably around early two thousands, where you know some of the pastors were thinking about doing it differently. Yeah, they really wanted, I think their intent was to speak more um, effectively to to the youth, to the different generations. Yeah. So they, you know, they started. Let's have a coffee shop in the church. Let's, let's, you know. This sort of loosen things up a little bit. Was that bit, from Vineyard? It. Vineyard started that? Yeah. Wow. Look at yeah. those guys. Yeah. So so just doing things differently. I think I think that's good. We, we should be willing to do things differently. Yeah. As long as we we stay biblical, we stay doctrinally true. Yeah. And um, I, I think we have freedom to, to do stuff. So I don't know how it looks. You were talking about communion a little bit. And that's one way you can begin to... Have sort of a family situation by yeah. having a family meal. Yeah. You know, do it in a, you could do it in a home group or do it in the whole church. I've done that before in the whole church. Have a big long table. Everyone sits at it. Talk and eat and then break bread and and say a few words about the Lord. And
0: it's, Yeah, because that communion time, we've been doing it. So I've been in the pastor of the mountain for three years and we've been doing it pretty much the same way for three years, which is the way most other churches do it which is a little wafer that's gross and a little little bit of grape juice. Never enough. <laughs> I know. <you laughs> Never as really much as drink. you want. It just teases you. You got two more of those? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need like a three to one ratio. Three three grape juices for one dry wafer. Yeah. <laughs> one before, one during, and one after. Yeah, yeah. But this dynamic of communion is not at all um, indicative of what it, it's supposed to be in Scripture. Which if you look at the Acts Church of how they talked about communion, there was this breaking of bread, togetherness, koinonia, relationship with God and one another, vulnerability that was expressed. And we do the best to kind of like facilitate it in like a service, maybe after worship or maybe after sermon, some point like that. But it never accomplishes in fullness what I think is supposed to be seen in that time of communion, right? which is this great vulnerability of confession, of really introspection with God, looking at your life and going, am I living a repented lifestyle or am I going along with the emotion, right. getting casual about my approach? Have I lost my fear of God and my awe
1: and splendor of God? And, and am I willing to be vulnerable and express that? Yeah. I think that's the hardest part. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, there's a lot of broken lies when you look out into the church, all kinds of whatever going on. Yeah. And but no one's going to confess it. I've heard so many times people say, oh, church is the safe place. This is where you can come. But (laughs) people fear it because they're going to be judged. They're going to get, you know, whatever, ostracized instead of, like you say, be willing to be vulnerable and confess and be humble. Yeah, and I I think you're dead on with that, right on, because that that is basically at the core of of community, because it allows us to be open and honest with someone else, and we expect that in return from them. Yeah, and we have that kind of community, that honesty, that equality in in our suffering and pain and sin and remorse. Um, I think that draws us together. Yeah, don't you? I do. Yeah.
0: I think those imperfections are—and especially the sharing of those imperfections are really, really unfortunately missing in a consistent cultural, church cultural expression. And I think it's supposed to be found in those times of communion yeah, where you confess your sins unto one another so you may be healed yeah, and exactly. pray for one another. Pray for one another. Like, really, that's the time right there to bring the imperfection of your body and your life in communion with the body of Christ and the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of the sins and healing. If there's ever an expression in church community where it's meant to address those things, it's that time of communion. Yeah. And for us all to level the quote unquote playing field that we're all in this together and we are all in this space of, of <clears throat> really wanting to and needing to bring the raw, vulnerable, broken aspects of our life into a place of confession in that community sense. Right. Do you think that'll ever happen in, in our modern I mean, church No, expression? It, it,
1: you know, I think it happens in two ways. First, it takes someone who's gutsy enough just to get up there and say, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to just strip naked yeah. and I'm going to let them, everybody see me. Yeah. And you know, very rarely will find someone who will do that. Yeah. But, the, but the second other side of that is that I create relationships with people mm-hmm. where they're willing and they feel safe enough and trustful with me that they, are, mm. they, they will share. That's almost the way we,
0: we accomplish that confession, intimate, vulnerable culture is that we we champion relationship intimacy. Right. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, I think that's really good too. Because even even for me, like I go up to somebody and I if I'm practicing communion in church and I turn to Joe next to me who I just met that morning... Like, I'll tell him things, but I am fighting against my brain's filter. You know what I mean? And my I brain's I mean? automatically self preservation. Yeah, self preservation <laughs> stuff. I have to like go, okay, well, stop preserving that. And I know it's like dangerous to confess this. And maybe even the design of communion was not meant to be to, to some dude you never met at church. Maybe that communion aspect found in Koinonia or breaking of bread in houses was meant to be in an intimate place like that because right. it meant you had developed a relationship. Right. You'd Not, eaten with them casually. Yeah. You'd met their kids. You'd seen their life in some way that led you
1: to have a trust dynamic to share your life in yeah. that intimate way. So in the big picture, maybe it's... I mean, the big big scenario, and maybe it's just too difficult in the smaller scenario. Yeah. But that's how church was in the first century. I mean, it was small groups yeah. of people, families and stuff were... They were meeting in someone's home. They weren't in a big cathedral yeah. or anything like that. So I think the Catholic um, Church has, actually, with through confession and stuff, they've they've tried to to keep going with that. And I don't know how else. It sounds like a pretty good way to do it. You know, you yeah. go to a, to a priest. Yeah, you, you share your sin, and they say you're okay. Jesus loves you. <laughs> he forgives you. You know. And, yeah. But we don't have anything like that in the Protestant. No, we don't. Yeah, yeah. History. We don't, we just don't, we don't do that. And, in, and perhaps what they attempted to eliminate,
0: which was penance orders given as a result of confession, like, Hey, I did this. And then like, okay, cool. Do 10 Hail Marys. Yeah. So Luther challenged that indulgence, you know, expression saying priests don't have the authority to basically dole yeah, out punishment for yeah. sin. Yeah. Um, Which I agree with him undoing and challenging and confronting that, but what we lost in that was a framework for practicing confession. Right. It just went away. There was no formality practice confession space. Uh, No one went to priests anymore for it in a like practiced way where there's like an actual booth. Yeah. You know, Catholics did a good job of having. Like real physical, tangible spaces for certain community spiritual expressions, like the booth in the sanctuary, where you go to that booth during the week or some other time and you confess
1: right. and the priest is always there available to you. Right. So you have a continual pros- uh, process of doing it too, yeah. instead of holding it all in for months and months and years and years and right. uh, just ignoring it. It's like having an HR department. Yeah. If you have a complaint
0: about your job, there's the HR department. We don't have an HR department anymore for the church. It's just like, oh, it'll happen, sort of. Yeah. And maybe there's a beauty in that, that it was always meant to be in communion or community, not specifically the priest was solely and exclusively that that, uh,
1: recipient of confession. Yeah. That's interesting. It is interesting i i i i haven't i read some about luther and stuff so after after he posted his um his uh thesis thesis on yeah. the door wittenberg door you now they they created a real community of people who lived together interact with people so i don't know if they continued in the same manner mm-hmm. by having confession or or how much they changed um things uh, but I'm sure they did. They changed quite a few things. Yeah. And uh, so there's it, a lot for us to learn. I, I don't know. So At much. least we should, I think, it, begin to experiment with stuff. Yeah. I really. That's what we were talking about. Being as a as a leader, being courageous and trying something. You oh know? man, and it is hard. I I talked a lot about the fivefold
0: over the last three or four weeks, and basically I'm confronting this single pastor image thing that gets worshiped in community, that gets this special honor and treatment that goes beyond just the biblical honor terms. And I've been confronting it. And I was even telling you at coffee, it's like this most recent one I, I did, I, I I, it was like, whoa, this is really challenging. And it makes me feel like as a pastor of the church, almost a little vulnerable. I know. Well, you're upending the cart. Man. I'm upending you the cart. You shouldn't talk like that because, I mean... <laughs> What are you trying to do? And I'm like, and, I'm, and am I making people uncomfortable? Maybe it's better for him to just have this sense of me that isn't necessarily good, but is what's it's traditional now in church culture that you got the guy, and he's the beacon of trust, he's the image of of maturity, he's the voice and his vision, his DNA, and oh. and if you speak to pulling down that expression and saying, well, even in Ephesians four, it's fivefold. So it ought not be one. At the very least, it ought to be five different folks. Yeah. At the very least. And I think it goes even beyond that. Yeah. And it goes to a much larger sense of who God is. Well,
1: really, I think there's wisdom in that, too. You know, in abundance of counsel, you're going to make better decisions. But, I mean, if you go back to Scripture, too, and look at what, how Jesus led the disciples and how he led the church. He always led by example. He wasn't afraid to wash somebody's feet. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm going to take off my tunic and I'm going to wash your dirty feet. Yeah. No, don't do that. You're the boss. You can't do that.
0: Mm. Well,
1: wow, That's really interesting. Yeah. Because even for
0: Jesus, people began to have a very intense uh, magnification of Jesus and worship Jesus, leaning right. on Jesus, becoming yeah, yeah. dependent on Jesus. And he, with a lot of his behavior, showed what it looks like to then turn it to right, the people. Right,
1: exactly. Okay, equipping so, them, imparting to them, washing their feet. So, where do you find leaders are are, are courageous enough to to act like that in a real sense? You know? Yeah, uh, you just don't these days. We just we don't have that. We have that other model of of leadership, which is not necessarily bad, but it's not. I don't think it's the whole answer. We we could change it. We could do things differently. Yeah. We should, I, I think. Yeah, I, I think it would be beautiful.
0: It, it also be, it introduces, and I think what pastors fear is it introduces a bit of chaos. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Because you you impart, you commission, and then all of a sudden there's their maturity process has just begun in a different way. Right, And so they're going to find immaturities in themselves. They're going to find error. They're going to find these things, all the things that I found, I find it myself constantly, but maybe theirs will come out a little bit more publicly. Maybe theirs will come out in a way that's a little bit more damaging to people yeah. and, or maybe their lives unwind and unravel and they, they go down a horrible path of destruction for themselves and others. Yeah. And then you go, Hey, maybe we should stop <laughs> doing, this? <laughs> doing this. I know It only takes one or two of those guys for you to kind of really start to try and s- shrink the circle of empowerment and commissioning.
1: Yeah, yeah. I say it's kind of a long road. I I really think a lot of it for me and for leadership and for the church, I think it has a lot to do with how you create presuppositions in people's lives. You know, you you witness, you say things, you reinforce those things over and over and over again until people begin to believe in a different way. Mm. And you can't just start out by saying, "All right, here, here's dinner," and throw it to the dogs and let them fight over it, you <laughs> yeah. know. You, you you build. I think you have to build something, and it has to be probably built slowly. Yeah, until you can get to that point. Otherwise, you will have chaos.
0: Yeah, no, that's true because there's a degree of infancy in a walk that requires a different level of nurturing. Right. Um, my son's six years old, and we homeschool him. And the other day, I tried to have him just do his his lesson by himself, but he's like, Dan, he tells me, he's like, dad, you actually have to teach me these <laughs> things before I could do them. And I was like, oh, okay, I, yeah, that sounds good. Let's do it. And then I taught him and I'm like laughing to myself as I'm teaching him all these things that like, I just, I, and I was curious to just see what he would do if I said, okay, yeah, go do it. And like, to see what would happen, like yeah. see if he would try, see what would happen, see if he could figure something out. Um, but yeah, there's a degree of it that at that level of knowledge, maturity and ability, he requires a different, uh, type of partnership and it can feel like quote unquote handholding sometimes or like very elementary, but that's where some people are at in their walk with the Lord is that they're in the elementary places of learning confession and humility Of understanding doctrine and what the Bible says about baptism, about being baptized in the Holy Spirit or baptized in water, about preaching the gospel, about not condemning people to hell or judging them. And they're in some of those places that can seem elementary. They can seem even like, oh, you should know how to read by now. They're like, well, why should I know how to read? I'm a year old in the in the faith. Yeah. I can't digest scripture by myself alone. Uh, I also would love the aid of someone helping me understand interpretation, context, um, historical references of things and the translations of the Bible. And you know what I mean? There's all these like things yeah, I've yeah. like grown in my entire life that you forget the elementary things that you want to hand people so that they can read on their own later on and that they could digest in a healthy way later on. Yeah
1: you always too imagine in your mind that everyone's starting in the same place Yeah, you know but they're not mature and you have very infant sort of behaviors and stuff so I think that makes it more difficult but I really like that example of you're supposed to teach me these things before I can do them (laughs) but that's what I'm trying to say too is that we teach those things and then we expect them to do it can use the the, uh, experiential model or uh, what they call a vocational model of how we teach things is that we explain it and then we demonstrate it, Yeah. and then we watch them while they do it, and then we allow them to do it. Yeah. So that's how someone learns to take an engine apart. Explain how it works, you show them how to take it apart, you assist them taking it apart, and then you let them take it apart. Put it back together. So I mean, if if we apply that kind of model to our Christianity, I mean, it's an individual model, like you're talking about every individual in the body in your church, you gotta to speak to them individually. Yeah. You know, that's a big job for you. But if you have five people working on it, or 20 <laughs> people working on it, or 50 people working on it, yeah. It goes a little better. Yeah, no, I agree. That's
0: a really great. And I mean, I've heard that breakdown on teaching somebody, but you forget it in the minutia of all the other details yeah, yeah. of approach and communication. Yeah. And there's that simplicity of of it that really informs
1: the church and church leadership, how to more effectively equip the body. Yeah. Well, that's a vocational model, too. That's how you do things with your hands, not, mm. not the academic sort of model that you would get yep. if you were in university. Yep. So th- to me, that's really practical, mm. especially when it comes to lifestyle and how I do things and how I interact with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, I need someone to show me. Christ showed him. Yeah. And this is how we should do it. This is how we should talk to people. This is how we should forgive people. This is how we should yeah. blah, blah, blah.
0: And it's the vocational model of learning is is much more effective for equipping the saints. I think so. Yeah. Because yeah. there's so much action. Right. Very real action that's tied to these spiritual principles. This is how you love somebody. This is what it means to love. And this is how you love somebody. Right. Exactly. A- and, you know, and then talking about it and doing it with them. Come feed the homeless with me. This is, how it loves, this is what it looks like to love somebody. Right. Come and visit this orphan and widow's house with me. And 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 minister to them. Come help me build this orphanage. This is what love looks like. And illustrating these things with real action, showing them how to do it and then saying, this is what it looks like to teach yeah. these things. Now you do it. I'll watch. Yeah. And then, oh, great job. Keep yeah. doing it. Or you could but, do this instead. Yeah. Or exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah, don't tell that person to shut up, you know? <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> I was, you know, know that. <laughs> yeah. When I was a youth pastor, that was one of my big like things. Is like I don't want to tell them to shut up. Yeah. And then now telling and encouraging other youth that became leaders that now pastor youth groups, it, why I approach things the way I did, you know, and then they were able to understand that I operated this way because of these biblical principles I really believe in. Yeah. And then they got a chance to interact with that, see it illustrated, begin to do it themselves, and then also find new things, better things sometimes. Right. I mean, not better than what I did, but <laughs> of course, <laughs> but still pretty good, you know? <laughs> okay. So to, to finish this time off, like, what do you think the best, most important thing is as far as a focus
1: to reform this thing right is for the church going forward? Oh, man. I you know, I love this whole idea of church being different. Mm-hmm. You know, I I'm, I don't I want to say I'm tired of the way we do it, but I don't think it's the best way we can do it, mm-hmm. I think we can do it a better way. So I like this idea of, I mentioned earlier about remastering. Yeah, You know we're going to take a song and we're going to just tweak it. Yeah, we're going to we're going to make it a little bit different. Yeah, do some different high notes and and things. So yeah, so I think that's the way to start. Uh, I think that's really important. But I think more important is that as leadership, leadership has to have a vision about what they want, where they want to go. You can't just muddle through it. Yeah. You, know? you have to be able to say this is our goal. Yeah. My goal is to make you more like Jesus. Yep. And this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to look at the scripture. I'm going to stay biblical about it. I'm not going to let people get go off on tangents, but we're going to be focused on on this. And then do I think you can be creative is I love this idea of being creative, allowing people to be creative in their jobs, allowing people to be creative and um, how we do church, I think is a great way to, um, to make it expand and grow and become better. Yeah. You know? That's
0: really I don't know if powerful. that answered the
1: question, but I, it felt good.
0: No, when you, and when you <laughs> said remastering earlier, it really resonated, really made a lot of sense. I'm like, that's lovely. I wish I would have done the series and called it that now remastering that would have been so cool you could have done a cool like record yeah, yeah. visual that would have been so awesome you could have given people records and that would have been really cool maybe some old keith green records yeah, yeah. <laughs> that line where he's like uh you people are going to hell and you can't even get out of bed <laughs> oh my gosh i remember some of the first times i listened to keith green music I was just so on fire for Jesus. And when I heard it, I was so convicted all of the time (laughs) because he has this really heavy hand on like the fear of God and on like witnessing and saving souls, which not everyone is, is into that approach. But at that time of my life, I was so radical and was so loving the challenge it was to me. He's like, he did his keys and he'd just go, go after something. And it's like a sermon song basically, but I enjoyed that. Well, love you, Scott. Appreciate you. Yeah, that's fun t- talking. Yeah, this is a good time. We'll good We'll continue things to on
1: talk Tuesday about. when we have coffee. That's right. We've got to do everything. another podcast. <laughs>
0: we'll always think of things that we want to talk about on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, Well, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Check out the other uh, discussions and sermons and teachings we have. Uh, and let's continue to love Jesus and love people and be transformed by Him daily. Thanks for listening.